0: Hey, before we get going, if you missed my short message from just the other day, our 100th episode is in two weeks, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, and we thought it would be fun to get you involved in the party, too. So if there's anything you've always wondered about the English language or even just something language-related that's been on your mind recently, pull out your phone and use the Voice Memo app to record yourself asking us your question. Then email that Voice Memo to us. I'm at powell at kmuw.org. Kathy and Ross are at knrpetras at gmail.com. And we'll put some of them or maybe all of them on the podcast, and we'll do our best to answer your burning questions. Again, I'm p-o-w-e-l-l at k-m-u-w-dot-org Kathy and Ross are k-a-n-d-r-p-e-t-r-a-s at gmail.com Your deadline is July 1st so depending on when you hear this you may need to scoot but we'll get to as many of them as we can Just don't forget to include your first name and where you're listening from Okay, should be fun! Thanks! Nuclear
1: Now is it Crick or Creek?
0: Coyote or Coyote?
2: We're going to start with something to basically, this is a bifurcated podcast. First, we're going to go into now that the stock market seems to be collapsing. We're going to talk a little bit about bulls and bears. Then we're going to move into another topic, which is. We're going to lead into that with a surprise opening. We're going Kathy, to cleverly to... and
1: sneakily lead into it, I want <laughs> to <Yeah>. say. <laughs>
2: Kath, do you want to start with bull and bear, though?
1: Okay. I mean, um, basically, as we all know, we've entered bear territory in the stock market. And a lot of people have been saying, what's with the bear and what's with the bull and where the hell did they come from in the first place? So we thought, let us analyze the etymology of bulls and bears and why we speak of these things. Okay, so
2: Fletcher, do you have any idea why we call a bear market a bear market or why we call a bull market a bull market?
0: So I've seen a little bit here and there lately about this, exactly because we have entered a bear market, which, if anybody's wondering, is when uh, the broad index hits 20% below its most recent high. Uh, that, that's when you enter bear territory. But I don't exactly know why we've chosen these animals, bulls and bears. Uh, now, in my mind, I've always assumed bulls charge. And so we're charging upward. And that's that's uh, aggressive and great. And bears, uh, don't they like roll downhill? when when,
2: when, you run, <laughs> when you run away from them.
0: <laughs> I'll have to try
1: that the next time a bear is charging me.
0: <laughs> that's always what's been in my head. Not that I exactly thought that's why we called it a bear market, but that's what's in my head. <laughs> i got to
1: interject. I'm sorry. This is totally off topic. But it reminds me of, it was a while ago, there was some headline, and I think it was when I was still living in Seattle, it's like they said, doctor, if a bear attacks and you're with the person, just lie down and just don't move. And I thought, uh-huh, I'm sure every person... <laughs> Bear comes in. It's like, yeah, I'll just lie right. here. And um, My thought it was like, push my friend and start running. But, exactly. you know.
2: <laughs> Actually, can I interject here? I mean, this is really off topic now. But a long time ago, I was with a guy from the USGS, the Geological Survey. And he was like one of the bravest people I've ever met. He, he used to go diving in the Red Sea. And I was scared to go there was some wreck there and sharks would literally circle him and he goes oh yeah you just got to be careful with sharks he was very calm about it he was terrified of bears and i told him that lie down he said no way (laughs) he said he was in alaska he said they rip you open if you lie down he advised running up a tree but that's neither whatever
1: (laughs) which brings us back to the stock market yeah People who've been losing money might be climbing trees right now in a panic. <laughs> Actually, it looks like the bear came first. Oh, if they didn't come as a group. That which I was surprised at. I would have assumed it was like bears, bulls, bulls, bears. But no, it was bear. The the one problem with
2: all of these etymologies is there are a lot of different stories, and I often I really do wonder sometimes how you know are they really true or are they just like convenient, wonderful stories. For example, the bull and the bear, some people have said they may have come simultaneously with an awful medieval um, practice of bear baiting and bull baiting, putting bears and bulls together and fighting and then betting on which which animal wins. So, I mean, they could have come simultaneously. The traditional one is bear skin selling.
1: Uh, people would sell bear skin. I'm cutting skin. you off. I'm sorry. You may I cut to me say- off, Kathy. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to bait you, Ross. Now, uh, <laughs> no. apropos of the bear and the bull, because I just wanted to say, but so, okay, you have the bulls and the bears fighting. So, big deal. What does that have to do the stock market? They say bulls would gore upwards. So, it's an up right. swing, whereas bears claw down, or as Fletcher said, roll down the hill, which <laughs> is a new and interesting concept. So, that's down. That, I just wanted to say that part. Ross, now you can go to the bear skin. I agree. So Fletcher
2: was partially correct, actually, in his initial one of the uh, you know initial etymologies of it. The traditional one, though, that everyone often says is the idea that uh, bearskin markets, people would buy and sell bearskins and bear jobbers or people who would sell bears would sometimes um, uh, sell bears skins that they didn't have, betting that the skin, the price would go down later. And then they would they would make money by buying it and then selling it. In fact, putting a put on the market, which is now. But what you that's call what it. I was
1: going to say, Russ. This is, this when I saw that, that sort of confused me. Because, why is that a bear market, though?
2: You want it to go down, right? Yeah. The price goes down. It's putting Kathy, you used to buy puts and lose a lot of money on the stuff. Yes, market. I know. I was gonna
1: say the <laughs> yes, the word no. a Fletcher IT and my taxes back then were just a disaster. My accountant would laugh at me. He's kept saying, Why are you gambling like this? I said, that's oh, sort of interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, Kathy Kathy had a put on Amazon.com. Oh, for years. Oh, interesting. Do you realize
1: I kept and I kept that put up? I kept, I kept redoing it. It's
2: gonna tank at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that's my yeah, Saying, she kept if saying it as it was going one up. One share up, up. back
1: then, one share at the time, I'd be a rich woman. <laughs>
2: but what she did, and what bear people, what bearskin people would do, which is why it became known as a bear market, is in effect they they sell the right to buy this to to the stuff for the stock. In other words, they they know the price is high now, and they say I'm going to sell you the stock in six months at five dollars a bearskin. They basically are figuring the price is going to go down to $2, a bearskin, in three months from now. Right. So what they do is they, they don't have the bearskin, but what they do is three months from now, they figure, oh, I'm going to buy the bearskin for $2, and I already made a deal with this guy to sell it for $5. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. So they make money on the spread. I get the $5 now, I pay the $2 later,
0: and I make that $3. Mm. Yep, that's it. And, it.
1: and it worked with Amazon, sort of, in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There was actually a proverb um, back, I think it was in the 17th century that said, it's not wise to sell the bear's skin before one has caught the bear, which was a mm-hmm. cautionary against the bear skin jobbers. So. Interesting.
0: So uh, how, um, how likely do you think it is that that's the etymology of
2: bear market? The one thing that gets us, we found uh, Daniel Defoe in the Political History of the Devil wrote, every dissembler, every false friend, every secret every secret cheat every bearskin jobber has a cloven foot etc the idea of the bearskin jobber apparently was fairly popular in you know in, in in commerce a long time ago
1: and they were definitely reviled
2: yeah so i think it, it does possibly make sense that mm-hmm. that actually is the real uh, etymology. But the,
1: the one thing that's interesting is that it it actually re, whether or not that's where it started the whole the whole using the term bear um, really caught on after the whole South Sea the South Sea bubble. You know, you know about the South Sea bubble. Tell right?
0: us, tell us about that.
1: Okay, it was it was like a big debacle. Debacle seems to be my word of the day. Um, uh, it was the South Sea Company was founded to trade with Spain's uh, colonies, and South Sea stock became huge. It was it was the uh, I don't know the what's what's something nowadays like it was the Bitcoin of the day, if you will. Um, well, that's actually a bad example right now, but no, it, but it ended up. <laughs> no, being, <Bitcoin's> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no but Bitcoin was skyrocketing. Yeah. So I think that's a good analogy, actually. So yeah, so basically everybody, everybody who was anybody wanted to invest in South Sea stock, and it was sold. Everybody did great. Speculators were borrowing and selling, and then suddenly it collapsed. Mm-hmm. Is the bottom line, and and it, and a lot of investors lost everything. Uh, you know, because they were betting on this, and it and it blew up in their face. So around that time, that was refer- everybody was talking about. It was a bear, and that's when they say bear really caught on in terms of uh, a negative market.
2: Around when was that? That was in the um. It was in the seventeen early seventeen hundreds. The company was founded in seventeen eleven. We were kept. there were thinking of writing a book on uh, speculation, so we know a little bit about this mm-hmm. one. But it was seventeen eleven, and okay. you know returns were like hundred percent a year, et cetera. I mean, it was wonderful for a while. Isaac Newton apparently was a big investor, so beware of his gravity theory if you're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but he lost quite a bit as well.
1: And then they say now this is what I'm. This is where I'm back and forth on this bull part. They say that around the same time, that's when the bull uh, entered the vernacular. In, in, terms of, uh, in investment. That's and where, I disagree with this, but go on Ross. I
2: don't know, but that's where the bull baiting, the bull fighting from medieval times enters into it to me, because the fact that they would put in a horrible sort of thing, uh, bulls and bears in a fight, I'm wondering if bear, because bear was negative bull being like sort of the antithesis of a, a of a, a bear came in. Do you see what I'm saying? Sort mm-hmm. of like a ex post facto putting the bull in i
1: don't know but i saw something else that said in the 17th century and this sounds sort of far fetched but it's far-fetched enough that it could be right to me i don't know that they said it might come for the london stock exchange bull board <laughs> 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 if the board was filled with bulletins the market was doing fabulously if the if there was bear bulletin board it was doing badly i like that i'm sorry i like that one get it i think we
2: could move on (laughs) and now here comes our great segue Everyone, drum roll here! <laughs> and this now, is, wait,
0: wait, wait. this is this is absolutely the best way to to uh, announce a segue. By the way, you <laughs> <laughs> you, you let everyone, <laughs> everyone know it's coming. You build up to it. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what segues are famous for. Anyway, go ahead. Let's find out what is this. We
2: did. Oh, let's go, let's <laughs> We're gonna segue here. And now, let's bring up Segway, segue this week's <laughs> subject. <laughs> I'll okay. repeat it. Let's bring up this week's subject.
1: Okay, now this is one of those language things that many of us have never heard of, the term, but we've all used. Ross, why don't you carry on here kathy i
2: think i will carry on and fletcher just in t- case you didn't catch on we're talking about <laughs> phrasal verbs phrasal verbs phrasal verbs bring up carry on and catch on we use three of them and or maybe we didn't we'll talk about that too basically and this is sort of a little bit of a uh, linguistic uh, area that it's a little fuzzy But we're going to talk about verbs, basically, phrasal verbs are verbs that combine a verb with a preposition or adverb. And it makes a new word whose meaning is different from the combined meaning of the individual words. In other words, it's an idiomatic phrase. Main verb, like when I said bring up, I'm bringing something, but I'm not bringing it up. Mm -hmm. The meaning is a little bit different than just bringing it up. I think we could say it with um, look up. Look up. Can be a regular verb meaning look with the prep, you know, with a uh, looking up, looking upwards, or it can be I'm going to look up this topic. That's a phrasal verb. That other one, where the meaning has changed.
0: Right. So, so the when you put the two words together, it has a different meaning from what either of the other words have separately, or changed meaning. Right. Yes. I, I think carry on is a really good example. Uh, actually, I mean, carry on means to keep keep going with it. Right. But but yeah, carry, it doesn't mean like carry, carry on yeah. bag the word carry yeah. has nothing to do with that and the word on has mm. nothing to do with that. But when you put them together, that that's what it it's means. something
1: to right. catch on is the other. Yeah, the other one we use it's similar. You're not when you catch on to something, you're not like, you know, taking out your glove, catching the ball and I don't know, doing what the hell you're doing with yeah. it, but something mm-hmm.
2: drop off is another one drop off. I mean, you know, the hill dropped off near the, the near the a brook. Well, drop off, a it's yep. you know, drop off is a
1: good one because it's got multi meanings. Actually, I just drop off to sleep.
0: Right, I dropped yeah. off, or I can drop a kid off at school. Yeah. Right. this is fascinating. You know, I I think probably at some point I've I've looked at one of these phrasal verbs and and thought, oh, that's interesting. That you know, why that those words shouldn't mean that, but they do. But really, it's mm-hmm. something that I, I mean, I've carried on throughout my life saying these things and not really ever thinking about them
1: the odd thing is that by virtue of becoming um like by virtue of that adding that little um addition you change it like check in you're registering you check out you're leaving okay you check into the hotel Mm -hmm. you check out of the hotel but you also go hey check that out which has nothing to do with either one at all i mean it's completely check out a book yeah. yeah which
2: is which is even another meaning the really interesting thing about phrasal verbs though is they're not apparently like majorly discussed in linguistics the real discussion the real time people get really into these are as english as a second language because Ooh. these are killers for english language learners and the other interesting thing is that phrasal verbs tend they're in indo-european languages but they tend to be really used in English and in Germanic languages. Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of, I think I was looking at an article on uh, Spanish phrasal verbs and there are a few, there's some, but I mean, English is chock full of them and it's really Mm -hmm. confusing. And I've talked to several people here who were non-native English speakers and these are killers to them. I mean, we have one clam to clam means to look for clams, but clam up. You know, I mean, it's, it's vivid clam up. It means something completely different.
1: Well, that's not the key to me though. That when you said it's very vivid, that is the beauty. I think though, of so many of these is, and I think that's why we use them, but they tend to be, um, colloquialisms much more so than you they're not used formally, which I think is stupid. I, I think they're great because they are very clam up. You really get the feel. You see the clamshell going, you know, and you feel the, yeah. Boop. You know, pulling it in. You do.
2: But uh, we found we did find a lot of uh, articles in academic writing saying they should never be used in scholarly or business writing. And I I see Kathy's point because I think these things are very vivid. But the other side of the coin, they used an example here. I mean, we should discuss it. This academic paper used an example for uh, uh, doctors. They had um, this sentence, which they said was not was not a good idea. These results suggest that it would be best to cut out sugar from one's diet. They objected to this.
0: I I couldn't disagree more okay. with that idea because I think it's such a part of our language that you would drive yourself crazy trying to remove these from your, uh, you know, from whatever you write or or say. I, I mean, I think I I think it's silly to say that we shouldn't have them in in. Even scholarly articles, because
1: I agree with you. They, Fletcher.
0: There's it's it's not even casual. It's so much a part of our language.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Completely. I agree with
2: you too. Let's let's maybe I agree with you. Guys. I think we're all agree. I was going to say, let's say but this quick...
1: example, Ross, though, I don't think is a little. I'm I, I'm looking at it right now. The problem they were saying wasn't necessarily that they were saying the problem is is it's it's ambiguous.
2: That's what I No, that's the whole part. That's exactly it. And but they're a saying lot they of times, if
1: they're saying, "Oh, yeah, okay," no, if
2: you read on, they're saying that that they're saying that it, this one you can understand it, but it's still ambiguous because "cut out" can mean like the engine cut out; it means cease operating. I don't really think it 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 is that valid. The another example they had, that's why I was trying to lead into the like a, a basically an example that clearly I think is fine. They don't, but another one they had was uh, putting down the dog. Put it, I put down the dog. I put the dog down.
1: I like. I put the dog uh, down.
2: Okay, but put down can also is is a common euphemism by to a killing verb the dog meaning killing the dog.
1: Yeah. But
2: it could also mean putting the. I mean, I was carrying my son's dog the other day, and I put it down, and I said, "I'm putting it down, Alex."
1: But that's contextual. So can I? tell you? to me. <laughs> you probably, oh no! Are we killing animals again? Come on, Fletcher.
0: You've probably heard this, but a guy, a guy, uh a guy has a cross-eyed dog and it keeps walking into walls and so he takes it to the vet and says you know doc well, what can i do about this the poor dog keeps walking into the walls the vet says okay let me take a look so it, it's a bit it's a big dog right so the vet the vet reaches down picks this dog up stares in his eyes says i'm afraid i'm going to have to put him down guy says, Doc, what is it?
2: He says, it's just really heavy.
1: (laughs) Now we need a rim shot. (laughs) I know.
2: But that's a perfect example of that's in a case where I think there is a bit of ambiguity. I wouldn't if it's a doctor talking about putting down, you know, something, I'd want to make sure I know what they're talking about in that case. Yeah, I I think so. I I think there are times when it's good to, to do it to get rid of them. I
1: I do think, though, that when it comes to the like, you know, the formal versus informal, I I do think with the ambiguity question, uh, more often than not, we've discussed this so often in the past, contextually, you can figure it out. Usually. And, and, Mm -hmm. And that's a gripe of mine when people go, oh, look at that. This is like, you know, you it could be this, this or that. Of course it could be. But you know what it is. You know what the right meaning is, except to
2: be fair to these people who are writing this article. To be fair, we just earlier we were saying how difficult it is for for people who are non-native English speakers mm. to really get the full range of these uh, idioms. So in that case, you're writing. I mean, a lot of like scholarly writing is inter- is is international. Mm. So in that case, like you know, I write down, you know, like uh, I put down the do- you know put down the dog after this, and then like some guy, you know, in in some other area is going to go, okay, I'll shoot the dog, you know, which you don't want context is fine, but I think we do need some kinds, when we're really talking about precision, like in diplomacy, maybe it is good to cut some of these out. I just used one, cut these out.
1: Okay, but isn't part of it, this actually leads exactly to what I was saying, isn't it sometimes the the fact where where does the uh, preposition go? If you move that, a lot of times, you're still using a phrasal verb, but it it, it cuts out some of the uh, uh, ambiguity, don't you think? It could be, but before
2: we go into that, though, it does seem that a natural evolution of phrasal verbs is that when you're in a formal situation, remember we talked about this the other day, Kathy. In a formal situation, they tend to disappear. Remember, we had that, Kathy found this really interesting article on old England, on trials in Old England. This is the fun thing about it, what we do. We get to all these weird things. But some really valiant nut like did word frequencies, (laughs) word frequencies in old English trials over the years and found that like in early England, there were a lot of phrasal verbs used in trials. But then as trials got more formal, judges came in, solicitors, barristers, and the speech became higher, phrasal verbs began to disappear. So I think that people naturally think, well, gee, i got to be really specific, make sure everyone really knows what I'm talking about. I'm going to get rid of these phrasal verbs.
1: Or is it merely that they just are trying to sound stuffy? I'm sorry. This is like my theory because I'm just thinking about it. Like when I was younger and I was one day at once and I would write things like when I worked in PR and I'd write memos and my memos were the most tortuous examples of writing I, I can, I can imagine. They were like just horrifying because I thought that sounded smarter and classier and adult. You know what I mean?
2: So, that's a really good possibility. I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So we have two reasons. One, they may be a little bit ambigu- ambiguous sometimes. And the other is that using like a one word instead of the phrasal verb sounds like more, you know, elevated and more distinguished. I think. Totsy-totsy. You sound like. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's what I think.
2: I like them. Well, we use them. I, I used them several times as we were speaking. We use them all the time. I think they're hard to get rid of.
0: I also think there's a difference between something like bring up and put the dog down, especially in terms of ambiguity. And, and again, like I said earlier, whether you're even going to notice that you've used it, you know, maybe because one is sort of a euphemism and the other one is is kind of just an idiomatic phrasal verb. I mean, put the dog down definitely can be ambiguous because it's really a euphemism for kill the dog.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> These, we're going to get a going to um, get I'm in now. touch with you, Fletcher. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so I, I think there's kind of a, I don't know, maybe a sliding scale or something here regarding what we maybe should or shouldn't use in, in academic or scholarly writing.
1: I think that's a good distinction, though, between... Because I think you're right. Some of them are more euphemistic than than just idiomatic. I mean, I'm I was just i just looking at different examples of them. They had cut out. And you have, like, the engine cut out, which to me is more euphemistic. But I cut it out or I, you know, cut out that paragraph is, is more idiomatic, if that makes sense. I know that I'm not being really technically linguistic here. Mm-hmm. But to my ear, I feel like there's a difference. There's a difference in weight.
2: I agree with you. And I, and I do think, though, going back to the other one, it's also clear, I think that sentence was really clear. I don't have any problem with it'd be best to cut out sugar from my diet. I'm not going to say, I know it means remove it. I'm not going to say it means sh- cutting sugar in a, into a shape. I'm not going to say it means, uh, it does sort of mean cutting out, though, in the sense of C operation. So I think it's pretty clear. I don't think we have a problem with that. Mm-mm. So I think we're all clear that we have to be clear. Now we're going to move on to something a little bit different. Some of these seem to, it's really interesting. Sometimes um, if you have a preposition, can you separate the on from the put, from the down to the, can you separate the preposition from the verb? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. She told that's him That's what off. I was talking about. That's what I was talking
1: about before.
2: Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you were, just, I was going to into it now. I thought we hadn't
1: really gone into it enough. No, we hadn't, but I'm saying, yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Good point, Ross. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I Carry on. Remembered you did. I, I remember you did. I was just repeating it because I thought we could go into that right now. Because we had she told him off, which is fine, which means she rebuked him. But you cannot put the off in between. She told off him. Doesn't work. Kathy, you want to expound upon that since you brought it up initially? <laughs> well, you can. Of course you can.
0: You could say... He told off the president. Right, but you wouldn't say he
2: told off him. No, why can't you? Sounds wrong. Well, the key thing is there's some weird rule in English. If it's a pronoun, him, the him has to be in between the verb and the preposition. She told him off. You can. See, she told the president. She told off the president. Correct. She told the president off. Correct. But we put him in there. It's a preposition. Mm-hmm. Now it's now a pronoun. It's a pronoun and it pronoun has to be in between she told
1: him off why i don't know but it's also i mean in general though you can split them i mean it's just the pronoun issue is the problem but i going back just the whole concept of of like you know she told him off or she told the president off she told off the president is in general the rule seems to be the rule in quotes i mean it's not really a rule seems to be You try to keep them kind of close together, because otherwise it can get a little, we go back to the ambiguity issue. Mm -hmm. So the closer the verb is to the preposition, the better in general. Because otherwise it gets a little
2: weird. And if it's a pronoun, it has to go in between. Those are the basic rules. Mm -hmm. So now why don't we go through a list of them? Do you want to go quickly? It's just amazing how many there are.
1: This stunned me, actually. I agree with you. I mean, I I was
2: surprised. Yeah, we had backup, breakdown, call around, calm down, call off, check out, clean up. One interesting one that my wife was talking about yesterday, though, is she keeps hearing this a lot, is change it up. Have you guys heard? That's gotten really common. Yeah, sure. That's just sort of interesting because, and again, change it up is sort of interesting because it's... In a way, some people might not consider it a phrasal verb because it doesn't really change the meaning, but it slightly does. Change it up, you need to change kind of can be neutral. Change it up know. is always positive. Change it up means changing for the better. You got to change it up.
1: Uh, I, n- 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 I don't agree. Yeah. I, I don't
0: know that it's necessarily changing things for the worse, but I'm not sure it's necess- It's sort of, It seems. it seems like a... A, a larger change than just a regular change could be. So if if I say I need to change my plan, that could be that I'm tweaking it, you know tweaking a few little bits of it. But if I say I need to change it up, then that that means to me it means I need More to major. step back. Yeah, I need to step back and rethink the entire thing and make a, you know, r- really make a change in there that could make a big difference. Right? It just seems like swapping it out. Yeah, it just seems yeah, like just a, looking... larger, uh, a larger, a larger shakeup, sort of.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, here I'm looking at the Urban Dictionary. I just, I'm just curious. They're saying change it up to become a better, to become better. Then another one is saying, especially to become better. Hmm. Then another one is saying, in a major way. You know, it could be that there's, there's a meaning out
0: there that I just haven't heard that much.
1: No, I'm seeing. OK, when you look at the non-things, okay, I'm just looking at dictionary.com, which comes from Oxford Languages. It's the first thing that it just makes it's a U.S. Make something different or do something differently. Right. They don't have That's the positive.
0: R- right. Yeah. But I, I mean, we know that Urban Dictionary um, is is somewhat like Wikipedia in that a lot of people can say a lot of things. But if that meaning oh, is yeah. in there, that means there are some people using it that way in the in yeah. the in the very definitely positive sense so that meaning yeah, it's it. lo- it's floating around
2: out there whether I've heard it or not yeah no it's interesting in that sense the w- w- uh, we all know change up though change up is slowball, slow ball so i guess right
1: cambridge has switch up to mean changing in a way that brings in improvement and i've never heard of switch up Hmm. Is it, it must be, it, have you? That sounds it's probably English. English. It's probably yeah. English. Yeah, because I've never heard switch up. No, I haven't either. I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm going to revert back to change up. I always say switch out or swap out. I'm big on swap out. Let's swap that out. Now is swap out in this case? A, this is where I'm, this is where phrasal verbs get very like blurry to me. Mm-hmm. Is swap out really a phrasal verb? Probably not. No, because it's just swap out is you're swapping. Yeah. You're, you're something for another. So that's not a phrasal verb, right? Well, we merely... said there's
2: no really – very, it's very amorphous, the term, what is exactly a phrasal verb. People lump them together and lump them – I think by our definition, swap out isn't because – Correct. That's what I was saying because really –
1: Well, we, one thing Ross and I, Fletcher, found that there is, as, as is always the case in linguistics, certain linguists like claim that there's no such thing as a phrasal verb. They mm-hmm. say they're not really legitimate – that it's like a blurry distinction to begin with is it a phrasal verb or a verb plus a preposition mm-hmm. which i understand but to me i yeah i do feel a difference like swap out doesn't feel it seems like you said ross by our definition it does not change the meaning of swap mm-hmm. whereas carry on does change the meaning of carry completely right yeah yes no i think it does but it really i
2: mean the whole thing gets really confusing because if you look uh, there's also the definition, the problem of uh, are phrasal verbs, are they using a particle or a preposition? Should we get into that or is that getting too complicated? <laughs> okay, well, this is this is getting, you have to like stop for a second. I'm going to say a thing right now. I should think it over. Okay, that's a phrasal verb right here. It's a phrasal particle verb. Why is it a phrasal part particle verb? I should think it over. Over is not a preposition because a preposition involves a complement. Okay, okay. Here I'm going to say another one now, just so we let's just get this <laughs> straight. I ran into an old friend. Okay, is that a, is the into a preposition or a particle? Just talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This, yeah, this is where this is where my brain shuts down. <laughs> yeah, it's okay.
1: like I had a fall the other day, you
2: know. <laughs> okay, into. Okay, I'm just going to quickly say, this. into is a preposition. Okay. Because into is introducing a prepositional phrase. Who did I run into? I ran into an old friend. Okay. Okay. What did so I, I run into? Their...
1: I ran into the wall. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> now, if I should now the earlier one when I said I should think it over. Over isn't over what? Nothing. It's not, a prep- it's not a preposition. It's, a pop- ah,
1: it's still a phrasal verb. I'm sorry, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what
2: gets me about linguistics because you can keep breaking stuff down into
1: all well, these little
2: complicated... This
1: is, though, seriously, where I just start wanting to punch things. You know what I mean? Seriously. It's like, this is where I I, I just think, like, you know, whatever, phrasal verb. <laughs> like, <Kathy's> okay. Gonna, <laughs> Kathy is
2: going to punch out who? Punch out? out. His... <laughs> Well, I have some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it introduces the 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 prepositional phrase. Kathy wants to punch out Ross.
0: This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petris records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetras at gmail.com or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or, better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by Ten Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, That's kandrpetras.com. That's K A N D R P E T R A S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.